You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 180. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today, I am in Cape Town, South Africa, exploring the city and everything it has to offer while I'm working on some final edits on the new book. I cannot wait to share that with you guys when it's ready, but now let's move on to today's show with the wonderful guest, Byron Katie. When I think about the guests that I would love to have on the show, the dream guests, Byron Katie is totally up there at the tippy top of that list. Just like Eckhart Tolle, I believe that Byron Katie is one of the people on the planet right now with one of the most consistent alignments with pure presence and intuition out there, full stop. And it was incredible to be able to spend this time with her and be able to share this conversation with you here as well. For those who are new to Byron Katie, she's an author and spiritual teacher with a simple four-question process called The Work, which you can learn about more by reading either my favorite book of hers, Loving What Is, or by listening to this episode. And then obviously there's hundreds of hours of her on YouTube as well or on her site to look into more about how to do this process. I've been using this with myself and with my clients over probably the last five or six years. I find it is one of the most effective tools at dropping the ego stories, resistance, and frustrations with ourselves or especially with other people. Whenever we're frustrated with other people, I think that this is extremely helpful. And in the interview, you're going to hear Byron Katie mention the idea of downloading a free Judge Your Neighbor worksheet. You can just Google Judge Your Neighbor worksheet and it will show up and it is so helpful. It's kind of got this fill in the blank in the PDF form on your desktop. So even while you're having frustration, you can just get on your laptop, pull it up and start typing in the thoughts you're having and turn them around so that you can see the situation with new eyes. This is one of, like I said, the most powerful, effective things I have ever found for helping to remove ourselves from whatever perspective our ego has and tapping into intuition in a way that's not exactly the same as writing to your intuition. So in this interview, we're going to talk about that and much more. I will say at times that she kind of got a little over my head too. So if some of this stuff seems a little bit out there, I understand. However, I can just say that learning from her has been one of the most helpful and insightful things I have done in my life. And I hope that maybe this will resonate with you as well. And I can say also that her perspective she's going to share on suffering has radically shifted my perspective for the better in such a wonderful way. And maybe this will resonate with you too. Let's go to the show. Byron, I want to start out. This is the first time I'm ever going to start with a different question than my normal. How did you get the name Byron Katie? Well, actually, Katie is a nickname. My middle name is Kathleen. And my first name is Byron. So my mother named me after a cousin. And so Byron, Kathleen, and of course, now Mitchell. Oh, now I know. Thank you for sharing that. Because you say Katieism, so I always kind of thought Katie was your first name. Well, Katie is so comfortable for people. And I feel so intimate with people. I think that it's, I know it feels intimate and close, and Byron kind of throws people. So I answer to just about anything and claim all of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so now let's start with the first question I always ask, which is, tell us how you got to where you are. Well, a lot of depression, 
suicidal mindset. Death looked like the only way out of that kind of depression for me. So one day as I lay sleeping on the floor, because my I was so full of self-loathing, really, that I didn't believe I even deserved to sleep in a bed. So I would sleep on the floor nights. And one particular morning, a cockroach crawled over my foot. I was completely asleep, like we sleep every night. And I woke up like I do every morning. But the difference was all the depression was gone, all the darkness was gone. I was completely clear that when I believed the thoughts that were running in my head, that I suffered. And when I didn't believe them, I didn't suffer. And I got all of that. It was shown to me. It was so clear. It was real. And so inquiry was born in that moment. And it has just given me the ability to not just share my experience with people, but a way to invite them to the experience, their own experience. So the questions are here for everyone. They're always free. And when they use them, then they meet the greatest teacher they'll ever experience. And that is their own wisdom. And so it leaves me free to just, you know, be here with you, basically, Jess. <laughs> okay, I've heard this story many times, and I have a few questions to go into it. So first of all, do you think you had the depression your entire life? And how old were you when the cockroach crawled on your foot? I was 43. And do I think was depressed all my life? And looking back... Yes, there was this low running, I should be more, I should be better, I did it wrong, I need to do it right, so-and-so doesn't like me. Everything from a low-level discomfort to a, a lot of joy in there, you know, when we're ego-free or the ego's working for us. <laughs> Wait, can the ego work for us? Well, you know, in the illusion, yes, it's like, oh, everyone loves me. Oh, everyone. And that can bring a great sense of pride, which is another way of saying attachment to identity, to that ego. And there's a, a sense of safety in it, you know, where the ego feels safe, you know, I am defined, and this is I. Yeah. So when the story's going well, according to the ego, then it brings us happiness. Well, it's an odd sense of it's, it's a false security. But still, it's such relief. For the two seconds a day that it happens. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, as love would have it, it doesn't last long so that we eventually can really find our way home to the self to true identity, to that identity that would just say, how can I support you? And it's just not about me and basically a life of how can I help? So was the cockroach necessary? Was he the trigger for all of this? No, it was just that moment there was, because the ego didn't fill that space, there was this clarity, it was shown to me. And then I saw when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. When I didn't believe them in that space, I did not suffer. When I believed them all those years, we'll say, in time, I did. And I've come to see it's true for every human being. And it's just, you know, people are using this inquiry all across the globe and all, you know, many, many different languages. And I love it. It's meditation. And in that, as we meditate on those four questions, freedom, freedom from suffering, a lot of people that are listening to the show or doing this kind of work 
are trying really hard to get to the place that you seem to have sort of arrived at. You and Eckhart, I look at as two of the most enlightened beings on this planet. And neither of your stories include a five steps to victory or the meditation program you did every day for 30 days or the 20 years. It seems like it was almost given to you without you even asking for it. Is that true? Well, you know, for me, it was just a, a moment in time when I noticed what we all notice. In the absence of our stories, we're free. And inquiry can give us all that. You know, in any given moment, we can sit down. And for me, the work is a practice. And it's a it's a practice of in mindfulness that I invite everyone just to sit in and, and experience for themselves. And it would be like, for example, let's say I'm in this heavy, heavy argument with someone. And I have the thought, he doesn't understand me. And I'm arguing with him. He's arguing with me. So later, I feel guilty. You know, so I just sit down. And let's say I'm sitting in my practice. And I imagine myself back there in that situation. And then I can see his face. I can see my own. I can see it. I'm anchored in that moment in time. And then I began to say, he doesn't understand me. Is it true? And I get really silent. And then I let those images, all that wisdom there answer the question. They show me. And then I begin to see on his face, you know, me coming at him and the things I said and the things I did. And then I began to experience compassion. And then I see him trying so hard to get a point across to me and I'm justifying, I'm defending. And because I'm so quiet, I can hear him. I can see him. I meet with a whole understanding. And then in that, I move to the next question, which is how do I react? How did I react in that situation when I believe the thought he doesn't understand me? And then in that silence, I witness all the emotions that I was experiencing then. And it's amazing how powerful those emotions are when we're angry, when we're upset, when we're in the dream, when we're believing our thoughts. And then I see how I attacked him and I see any amends I need to make. I see where I could make it right. And I continue just to meditate on that moment in time and witness how I react when I'm believing it doesn't understand me. And for all I know, he doesn't. But that's not the point. The point is, look what I'm doing to myself when I believe the thought and how I react and how I hurt others and myself and the guilt that brings on. And that is how the illusion of time is manufactured. We feel this guilt. So then the fourth question as I'm sitting in this practice, who would I be in that situation? Who would I be? What would I be without the thought he doesn't understand me? And I witness that same, I'm still anchored there. And I'm meditating on that moment in time. Who would I be without the thought he doesn't listen to me? And then I really can hear him. I'm really listening. And I'm connected. And I'm experiencing this connection that often brings tears to my eyes. All of these questions do as I just witness the responses that arise to meet the questions. And then when I find opposites, he doesn't understand me. I don't understand him. And it's so clear that I didn't. I just got that I was overriding 
everything he would say, but now, you know, now I get it. I'm listening. Now I can go back and say, you know, I've thought about it. And, you know, for the way I reacted, I'm so sorry for that. I wasn't listening. I was just focused on what I was believing and overriding you. And then I make it right where I can. And I say, you know, would you tell me again? My mind's completely open. And I apologize for my part. And I really want to hear your point of view. And so I find another turnaround. He doesn't understand me. He does understand me. And then I just sit in that and I just meditate on that until I can see he's saying things like, I hear you and you're wrong. And and I'm just overriding and defending and all of that. I'm not even hearing those. You know, there's so much about the conversation that he did understand, but I didn't understand. So he doesn't understand me. I don't understand me. How can I attack another human being like that and talk about peace? How can I be myself such a hypocrite when I'm so asleep to myself? And then I understand how I can be such a hypocrite. And then I don't understand me. So it makes me really humble in my relationships. And then he doesn't understand me. I don't understand me. And I don't understand him. And that allows me again to have that conversation and say, you know, I really didn't understand I cut you off over and over, and I really want to understand. But I'd only do that, of course, if it were true, and that I really did want to understand, because there's so much as I sit in silence in this inquiry um, that I do understand, in which case I might call him back and say, you know, I couldn't hear you then. I hear you now. I understand. Oh, my gosh, you know? And, you know, especially, uh, Jess, you know, this is election day, and especially on a day like this, if we had that, just imagine the clarity, and if, if he doesn't understand me, and I'm in a position about my candidate, and he's in an opposite position, his candidate, where is it I don't understand him? I could learn a lot. It doesn't mean my vote is going to change. And where is it that I don't understand me? He really is setting me free from my own self-caused suffering, and I'm blaming him for it. And what's true is I was the cause of my suffering and I hurt me. You know, I like to say no one can hurt me. That's my job. And inquiry just makes that so clear over and over and over. And that's no fault of my own. It's just the life of a believer. And what is the hardest turnaround you've ever come across for anyone? Have you ever found one that's more difficult than the others? You know, when we look at a situation, we're arguing with someone, for example, it would be like questioning the thought he's wrong or she's wrong or they're wrong and then turning it around and seeing in that situation where you know specifically where I was wrong and then going back to admit it and going back to see how I can make those wrongs right that's the hardest thing it's not the murder or rape or any of the difficult subjects you're always dealing with oh you know that is the ego doesn't want us to know but those petty ones you know, sitting in, in inquiry with those, they can just, you know, our identities can just fall away and just leave us as, as more kind, caring, present human beings and curious about people and solutions. And as you would say, intention, you know, my intention was to be right. Now, if I'm left with no intention and I'm clear intention ceases to be necessary because it's always there. And because it's not a life of fear, there's nothing that can 
stop that intention that is our true nature to be lived out, to live itself out through us. And it's so, oh my goodness, the intimate friendships we connect with the man on the street or the woman on the street we've never met. One of the things you're saying, actually, I never really thought about this, but this is fascinating. So I teach values-based intentions. So intentions based on uppercase V values, as they call them, my audience knows what I'm talking about here. So one of the things I've never really thought about is most of these things, I've been working on the work with my clients for years. Whenever I come across someone where I'm like, oh, we need to do the work on this. This is a very amazing tool. And what I'm realizing now is, almost every single thing I've ever turned around or anyone I've worked with has is really a values difference. So one person has a different value than I do or the other person does in this case. And we're just projecting like little swords, our values on the other person. Yeah. Whereas we would do better just to understand ourselves, And when we understand ourselves, we understand the other. You know, if someone says, uh, Byron Katie, I want to kill you, you know, I understand. And I'm curious to know more because I'm curious. The intention is to connect. Actually, here, I think that people are probably asking themselves before we go too far from that. What do you understand when someone says that to you? Well, actually, uh, a man did say that to me. He said, I'm going to kill you. And he had a gun in my stomach and he pulled the little hammer back or the big hammer back. And and I don't know if he's going to pull the trigger or not. I have no idea. But I was curious, you know, as I looked into his eyes and was so connected and I could see the the night sky and the full moon and the clouds and feel the breeze on my cheeks and and there he was, you know, I wasn't alone. <laughs> I mean, and he was he was so beautiful, you know, without a story, there's an understanding there that surpasses everything. And you know, my only thought was I hope he doesn't do that to him. Because I understand that to hurt you is to hurt myself. You know, I, I have to look to myself before I look to others. And, and if I'm fearful, which I wasn't in that situation, then I don't know, so connected that he just puts it down that, you know, you can't fight someone that isn't fighting. Yeah, what did he do after that? What did you say or do? And what did he do? Well, you know, he just dropped the gun and just got really quiet. And I said something like lovely evening. It's been so many years ago. I don't really, I couldn't tell you honestly the words, but lovely evening, isn't it? And I'm sorry, you know, if I surprised you, I had no idea that I wasn't alone. I was in the desert by the riverbank and so quiet. And, you know, it feels like you're the only human being in the world. And it just happened that evidently I frightened him. Oh, so that's why he was doing he wasn't trying to rob you or any other reason. No, he's just a man afraid of the dark, a man afraid of life, a man afraid of, you know, fears confusion. You know, what's what's valuable there is I didn't, if he did pull the trigger, I'm, I didn't miss the last few moments of my life. I was connected to life. You know, and and I think that we're all missing those last few moments every moment because we're so invested in, you know, security, comfort, and pleasure. The way the mind, the ego works is to keep, you know, those things running all the time so we stay asleep. That's actually really interesting, the idea of pleasure. It's something we've spoken about a lot on the show in terms of, especially as women, trying to embrace pleasure more instead of self-sacrificing and putting others 
before themselves. So we've actually tried to embrace pleasure. Is that what you would encourage? Pleasure is, you know, it, it's up to each of, uh, it's like we all have a different definition of pleasure. It's like, what is that? What is pleasure? For me, it's peace. It's understanding. It's connectedness. And if there's balance in it, it isn't this high, oh my gosh, it was just so yummy. It was just so, that's okay. But it can't touch peace of mind. You know, it, it's like, oh my gosh, that was so good, so good. So now my mind is going to want to compare. And if it, if it were not already comparing, I wouldn't know it was so yummy and yummy and good. I have to pair it with something that's not yummy, 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 good. So now the ego is split. The contrast. Yeah, the contrast. I'm in this duality, this illusion of time. And, and let's say I look in the mirror and I have this story attached to the reflection. Then how can I like me if I see that, if I believe that's me? And also, as I'm doing that, it's like I see this younger me version and compare it with this 74-year-old woman in the mirror. Or I see, maybe I would see your lovely face in my mind's eye as I look in the mirror and compare the image in that mirror and what I believe about it. So I'm comparing in response maybe to your question. It's like, if you did not compare yourself with any other human being, aren't you beautiful? Aren't you perfect? And that is not like, oh boy, yummy, yummy, yummy. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm enough. I'm valuable. We are unlimited. So it's like we're just getting rid of the top layers so we can just, you know, we can give this life what it deserves. So for you, presence is pleasure. Oh, balance. There's no suffering in it. Actually, that's a really interesting question. And this is something I really want to ask you and Eckhart Tolle. So I've been going to some retreats lately and there's so much, and I even found this work through suffering. You found this work through suffering. Eckhart Tolle found this work through suffering. And there's so much joy on the other side. But I am wondering, as I've been going and learning to tap into my intuition, to get to that deep well of wisdom that's always peaceful in every moment that you're describing, and I still go back and forth every day between the ego's voice and the intuition's voice, and thank God I know how to talk to the intuition and get that wisdom. As I've done that, however, I have learned how, so I can have the ego's voice going on, and I can still take action and lean into the wisdom and the pleasure of the intuition's present moment consciousness. Now, I'm starting to live in so much joy that yes, I have like the run of the mill suffering, but it's not nearly what it used to be. Do you think we can get to the point where we can give up our stories in joy rather than suffering? Oh, you know, out of experience, I can say absolutely. It's like, I see the stories, I just am not attached to them, meaning I don't believe them because, you know, how do I react when I believe the thought he doesn't understand me? My mind is, it's not only doing those comparison things, it's like I am seeing images of him and images of me and past, future, past, future, past, future. So that's very confusing if I want to get to reality. And reality is where the best decisions are made because there's no, it's just all so clear. There's no war in it. Okay. So you do still have the ego's thoughts about situations. You're just processing at such a fast or immediate level that you don't follow them. It's like, think of your mother. Okay. You just saw an image of your mother. Okay. Now, is that your mother? 
Or is that imagination? Imagination. Okay. So you're as awake as any human being can be. It's like you see that's not your mother. But if you saw your mother in pain, you might be attached to that image and it could give you some bad moments. Let's say some, in, in other words, some moments of suffering. But if you look at it and you see that that's pure imagination, then how can you suffer? So a part of you really gets this. A part of everyone really gets it. It's just that you've got some practice in on this. And those images, that's the dream world. That's the dream. So I can see all those images and, you know, I can, it's just, but they're not real. And if anything's real, it's right here, right now. And we're always, we're always, other than what we're thinking and believing, we're always fine right here, right now, even if bombs are going off around us. Yes, because that's all the intuition's capable of. I actually read that recently about consciousness. It's only capable of best decisions and peace in the present moment. Yes. And let's say bombs are going off all around me. Then other than what I'm thinking, believing, am I okay? Yes. And let's say the man fired the gun. Okay, am I going to go, oh, my gosh, he kills me. Oh, my gosh, and double up. Or am am I going to wait to see if it actually hurts? For all I know, it doesn't. But when my mind is even a nanosecond in the future, I am the cause of all my suffering. So an even physical pain is either remembered or anticipated. So what's in the center? Perfect peace. And in that, we're all okay. And you know, this joy and suffering, do we have to suffer to get this? You know, I think that every human being has suffered enough up to this moment. And what I love about this moment now is that all pain is in the past. All suffering is in the past. So just knowing that it gives us a a wonderful beginning to really witness our mind and understand it a little better. I just had a huge aha moment there because when we always focus on the present moment, we're always contrasting the past and the future. But you're right. The pain is always actually in the past. Even if you're anxious about the future, the pain of that is in the past. All pains in the past. And if you want a little fear and tear, get a future. And that will still be in the past by the time you've actually had the thought. Yes. That is fascinating. Oh my God, that just opened up this whole, I'm thinking of a timeline here and putting the pain instead of on both sides of this present moment, the crosshairs, if you will, that it's only behind. Yes, that's the only way you can have a future. If you if you understand the past, you don't have to ever worry about the future again because it's understood. Okay, and so there's I no to, suffering in it. Oh, so I have to ask you. So I've been really interested in learning about the work from Abraham Hicks. And they talk a lot about contrast. And they talk a lot about thoughts and using your thoughts to think about the future and what you would like to create. And they say that contrast is very useful on this planet to help us determine more of what we want. And then using thought and emotion to get ahead of the circumstances and thereby create them. That's kind of in a nutshell that idea. What is your take on that as you were describing contrast earlier? Just noticing when the mind is uh, comparing, just noticing and just noticing that those images of past future, you know, it's imagination and it's very powerful. That's all there is, if there's anything. And to sit down and question what you're thinking and believing regarding those images of past future in your head and to um, 
you know, I suggest people take it on as a practice and um, and see how it serves them. And along with the practice, if they already have, it all works together. There's nothing wasted. There's nothing that's not here that doesn't serve enlightenment. There's nothing that does not serve enlightenment because it's all the mind, really, imagination. And as long as we're believing in a past that we have no proof of, then we're whacked. I didn't want enlightenment because I did, I'd never, I wasn't aware that there was, I thought you had to die to be free. And what I was aware of was I wanted the suffering to stop. I wanted it to be over. So when I had that breath, that clear moment in time, I saw something valuable. And that's when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. And so I am the first to take this on as a practice. And it is a practice. Self-realization, until it's lived, has no power. And those turnarounds, you know, like I need him to understand me. If I want to be happy in that situation, I need me to understand me. And I need me to understand him if it's all possible. And I have to be quiet for that. So my intention is there, as we talked about intention. My intention is to understand myself and to understand life. Actually, this is a perfect segue. So one of my questions is that you've written that no one will ever understand you and realizing this is freedom. How is that so? Because I think that's going to be startling for a lot of us. Well, you know, if you don't understand you, how, how can I? <laughs> and if I don't understand me, how could I expect you to? So I am my own test tube. It's a life's work, we'll say, as a practice, to understand myself. And as I understand myself, all the mysteries drop in the world. They all, because I am the projector of my world. No two humans, human beings, will say, um, live in the same world. We all have different worlds. And so to understand oneself is to change your entire world, your world, not ours, because we're here to test you, just to make sure you understand your world. So how can we understand our world? For me, it always goes back to inquiry. And let's say the example uh, I've been using today, I need him to understand me. In my world, I understand that's not his job. His job isn't to understand me. I am coming at him every possible, every way I know, and I'm becoming more distant. So I cannot control his mind and his thinking. But when I look to myself, I need me to understand me. I'm asking me to do what I'm asking of him. And here I am completely lost. So I see what I've been expecting him to do. That's crazy. That is a life of suffering, but it's war is what it is. So it leaves me doing my full-time job, which is to understand myself. And in that, I understand that no one has to understand me, that it is not vital or even necessary for me to be happy or to understand. Can you say that again? It's not vital for you to understand or be happy? It is not vital that anyone understand me. It's vital that I understand me and myself in that I understand the world and everyone and everything in it. The mystery ceases to be 
And out of that, it is life lived, like to live the mystery. No past, no future, just the excitement of now, now. And the, you know, it's, it's like living like a child where everything's new and the smells are different. You know, you can smell someone that has cut the grass a block away when, when, like you did when you were a little kid. And it just, it's like everything new. Suffering's hard. And like you, Jess, it's, I would go anywhere, do anything to spare anyone a moment's suffering if I had the power. And no one has that power. So I work on me and it allows me to be free enough to be with you today and to do what we both do together authentically. And that's to share ourselves. I think that one of the things I've been getting as I've been talking a lot about flow lately, which is really living in the present moment and asking, what is the universe flowing to me right now? And I'm going to do that right now. And people say, how do I think about the future? How do I get the important stuff done? Do you have any advice for people that are thinking that? Well, just do the thing that arises. And the only reason we would not do it is our mind says, oh, it's not my turn. Oh, I'll do it later. Or it's not that important or anything. But if you're not attached to any of that, you have the thought, you know, I call it doing the dishes. You have the thought, you know, just do the dishes. And then there's nothing to stop you. Nothing. It's when the mind and the body are moving as one without separation. And when you're in touch with your true nature, it is every intention that you'd want to have in another life is living itself out. Okay, so eventually, for example, someone could have the thought, I want to plan for my retirement. And then in that moment, they go and they take the steps to talk to their banker to plan for retirement. So it's not like you're saying you're not thinking that thought or taking action on it. The extreme opposite. If I had the thought, you know, I want to plan for my retirement, I would look into my purse, I'd take a percentage of it, put it on the counter or in a jar, and then go see my accountant. That's how present moment you are. Yeah, well, you know, what's to stop me? Now's the time. So you still take those actions, guys, for those listening. It's still taking action. Absolutely. And you're not putting it off. You are. You're in the moment. And there it is. You're off to a great beginning. And you can and you learn to trust yourself. And how do you trust yourself? I think that's something that a lot of people question. Well, I just put money aside when I had the thought, uh, and it was a percentage. And I don't know if it's high or low or anything, but I've begun. I trust me now. I had the thought. I acted on it. I'm trustworthy. It's living out of a state of self-love, and love is trust. So without our stories, do we have thoughts on a daily basis You don't really, but as long as you do in time, there's a way to deal with them. We can question them and end our war. You know, I have a new book coming out in September. The name of the book is The Mind at Home with Itself. So inquiry is about the end of internal war. If we can't end the war within ourselves, how can we end the war in the world? So this, as we question what we're believing that would keep us from our highest intention was as we question the thoughts, those fearful thoughts that would stop us, then the mind literally is ending the war with itself. It's finding a home in itself where the war is gone and we're just living this amazing life that is not just free, but 
lived. And it's, it's like someone said, Katie, that was a great decision you made to plan your retirement. Okay. And I can say thank you, but I'm just thanking them for making this statement. I can't take credit for it because that what I'm living out of is not I. It's intention at the highest level to my life, to my mind lived. So are you receiving those thoughts? Do you feel like instead of the ego that has the thoughts running all the time, that you're receiving the thoughts that are coming from that deeper place? I trust them because I've got this mind that's at home in itself. There's nothing not to trust. It's, it under, it's self-realization. It understands the self, which is this non-identified, free-flowing love. Non-identified, free-flowing love. How does that look when it's non-identified? It looks all-inclusive. There's room for everyone and everything, and it's all understood. It's all allowed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Welcomed. So you receive those thoughts from that place, and those are the thoughts that you have in your mind day to day, not the other ones that are causing friction. I just don't believe everything I think. Okay, so the ego's there, but you're just not at war with it. You know, Jess, I, re I get you're really asking, but by the time you think a thought, it's gone. So even that's in the past. Can you say that again? I think you just went over my head. <laughs> well, even now is gone. So why are we here then? Actually, if to just get really big on this, and why, if it's all in the past, why are we here? Well, I would question that you are. And every time we question our minds, then we're losing identity. And every time we question what we're believing, as that identity falls away, the answer to the question, who am I, is lived. But why, if everything is in the past, because the now is all that's real, does existence bother to be? It doesn't. Can you expound on that? It's an illusion. Why is there the illusion? Why, why is the video game existing? What existence are you pointing to? What existence are you talking about? It's so trippy to really think about that, to say that everything is in the past, the moment it happens, makes me go, why? You're not even left with an it happens. You're awake. So you can say and do anything. It's just that when you're awake, it comes out of this. It's a beauty. It's the song of, of nature. Nature beyond definition. What do you think the point of all of this is? This moment. And what moment was that? Exactly. It's really interesting because at Eckhart's retreat, he was talking about the evolution of consciousness and the ego being a part of. So as we as humans started to have thought, then we thought at first they were God speaking through our heads. And then we started thinking we believed and thought the thoughts. And that was when the ego was created. And then he thinks it was a process for us to go to trans thought, like transition beyond thought is where we're all headed. I think you're there. I'm still struggling. <laughs> I have dipping my toe in and then coming back. <laughs> you know, teaching, it can be helpful, but in the end, you're left with yourself. You know, the ultimate teacher is you. You're it. Only you can question what you're believing to be true and just to test if, if it's true or not. So undoing the world that apparently is real in your head is, um, I'm not talking about you personally, anyone listening. You know, if 
I say, that, you know, start with your just your trivial discomforts and go to the work.com and find that judge your neighbor worksheet and fill it in and sit with your beautiful selves. And if it takes you a week just to sit in one worksheet to do it and it's all free, it costs nothing. And, and you just understand the work and you can play back and forth with people as you all enlighten each other. But that's all I know. You know, no one can wake me up from the dream. That's my job. So that's the practice. And you know, I can say there's nothing. You know, I'm doing a workshop. I'm doing a, a no-body, and it's a non-duality. No one can give you what you have a right to, what we all have a right to, and that is freedom from suffering. It's not like anything else. It is truly is for people that fearlessly want to be free and go to the depths that I see you going to. So do you have any resistance in your life right now at all? None that I'm aware of, but I have to say, how do I know? Because it hasn't happened yet or isn't right now. You know, what do I know? People say I'm enlightened and I don't know. How would I know? So all I can say is I am free from suffering and I'll take it. <laughs> and I'm grateful. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So I have a feeling I know the answer to this question, but I ask it to all my guests. And it is, what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey? That there is a way to know yourself. And we've heard that it's the truth that sets us free. And that there is, there is a way out of suffering. And um, for my part, I only know inquiry. So along with all the beautiful things that are supporting you to the end of suffering, if that's your goal, is inquiry. And so to know yourself, and it's the truth that sets us free. Thank you so much, Byron Katie. You have been such an incredible mentor to me over the years. I love that I get so much from your books and also from YouTube to find you working with people. Thank you for sharing your light with us. Oh, you are so welcome. So grateful you're in the world. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Jess. My privilege. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Byron Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If you want to send Byron Katie a message, you can do so over on Twitter at Byron Katie. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in consciousness lively. For show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Byron Katie. And before I share where I'm headed to next, I'd like to talk a bit about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. All right, you guys, you guys know this. I love bookkeeping software through FreshBooks exclusively. It is so easy, simple, and straightforward. Right now, I've hired a bookkeeper to help me out and to kind of keep track of things. And it has been so easy for her to be able to go in and check out everything that's going on and then make sure it's all correct with the bank accounts and making sure everything is on the up and up. And I cannot be more grateful to have this service in my life. I've had it since 2012, and I would love for you to give it a shot yourself for 30 days for free to see what I'm talking about. If you want to use that 30-day free trial, go over to freshbooks.com backslash lively. As for where I'm headed next right now, I'm still in Cape Town. Then I'll be in New York for a very brief stop and then headed off to Ann Arbor, Michigan to do a little bit of help with my friends that have some stores in the area to help them with some holiday shopping events they have coming up. I helped them last year and it was so much fun to help them at that special event that I was like, you know what, guys, I'm coming back to help you out again. So that's where I'll be headed next. 
Thank you guys so much for listening and may something wonderful happen to you today. 